0: Verse 15. I'm reading from the ESV. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man? who is a hundred years old, shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Let's turn to verse chapter 18, verse 9. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he, Abraham, said, "She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind them. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, Shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, we, we trust in you that you're in control of all things, uh, even technical failures. And uh, yeah, God, we thank you that your word is alive and active and that you speak through your word. And so, God, I just pray now that you would help me uh, yeah, to, to think and to speak clearly, help me to be faithful, help me to uh, bring out of your word the riches and the glories that are in it, God, and Lord, indeed, uh, help us to receive and hear it with a good soil. Yeah. Eyes that can see, ears that hear, and hearts to understand, God. And so speak to us. Speak to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's funny what just happened. You know, sometimes... Things happen in life that you don't expect. Sometimes things happen where it doesn't go the way you plan, And sometimes you just got to laugh. Right? This, this is funny. This is funny stuff right here. You know, we, we thought we had it fixed. We were like, oh, it's all, it's all good. We got it. We brought the whole soundboard up to the front. You guys are watching the whole thing. We thought we had it again. Didn't work again. You know, when, when you know, this is this is not this is not like a life or death issue. This is not uh, it's not a weighty thing. But you know, things happen in life where it doesn't go the way you plan, uh, and you know you can respond to it in different ways. But well, I think one of the responses that we ne- need to learn, and that especially as a Christian, that you begin to learn is you learn how to laugh. Being a Christian teaches you to laugh. You know, some people think Christians are so stiff and rigid, and formal, and you can't laugh, you know, especially in service. Why why are you laughing, Pastor Helwan? Don't laugh, right? You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's so serious. We've got to be all religious, and, you know, good, and moral, and, all. you know, being a Christian, you can laugh, okay? Uh, Because grace, the grace of God teaches us to laugh, and it's a unique kind of laughter. There are many different kinds of laughter, right? There's there's a mocking laughter. I used to be really good at mocking laughter cuz I used to mock and make fun of everybody before I was a Christian. Really mean. Right? There's there's mock there's, there's sarcastic laughter. Right? There's there's bitter laughter. Okay, you just huh, huh. you know there's a laughter of contempt. Okay, there's all different kinds of laughter. There's nervous laughter. You're just trying to cover up your ner- <laughs> You know, there's, there's, all, there's all different kinds of laughter, right? But there's a There's a uniqueness about the laughter as a Christian. As a Christian, if you've experienced the grace of God, it's a different kind of laughter. It's a laughter where you can can laugh at yourself. It's it's a a humble laughter. You don't take yourself too seriously. I mean, you take yourself seriously because, you know, there's weighty things in life, but, you know, not too serious like, you know, like, I'm, I'm so important that the world rests upon how... You know, it's, you, you laugh at yourself. You can take things easy. Uh, yeah, and you can be more fun. And and you know, it's good to laugh, yeah. right? And, and sometimes we just need to laugh. And I just want to preach today about this kind of laughter. What what kind of laughter is fitting for a Christian? We we hear we read this story today, and it's a story that's pretty funny. Uh, in and of itself. Think about it, a 100-year-old man, 90-year-old woman. How does a 90-year-old woman have a baby boy? That's funny, right? That's just like, you know, sometimes we read the Bible and we're just so familiar with the stories that, you know, we don't, we don't respond the way that it's, it's, this is funny. Imagine a 90-year-old woman, she's a, she's a great-grandmother, right? My, my grandma is not even 90 years old, you know? And she's going to have a baby, uh, that's, that's weird, if I saw a 90-year-old woman give, giving a baby, like, yo, that's just weird. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but this, this is what's happened, This is what God does. It's like this is funny stuff. And he, he tells both the husband and the wife, both Abraham and Sarah on separate occasions, he tells them, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. They both laugh in God's face. Think about it. If God came to you in your home and he said, hey, listen, Yeri, I'm sorry, I'm picking on you a lot today. I'm picking on somebody else, right? So if God came to you and said, I have a message from the Lord, and he's going to do this in your life, right? And, he, you know, you what would be your response? Your response would be like, oh, snap, God's in my house. Oh, snap, you know, like, probably that's going to happen because God is God. You know, you can do anything. But, man, both times, both Abraham and Sarah, they just laugh in God's face. They're like, going to have a baby. Are you kidding me? Dude, have you dude, Have you seen my wrinkles, guy? You know what I'm saying? Do you, do you know how, like, the, the scripture in uh, chapter 18 said, the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. What is the way of women? All right. I trust all you guys are have taken eighth grade health class. Okay, you guys know what the way of women is? All right. Her, her time had passed to even have a child. It was not physically naturally possible for her to have a child but god says is anything too hard for the lord it's funny the way of woman she 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 can't have a baby but that's that's you know god's pretty funny read the bible god's pretty funny and he brings laughter into our lives let's 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 learn about let's learn about this story a little bit yeah a lot of funny stuff going on today okay um so, you know, there's this man, his name's Abram, before his name changed to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of a multitude of nations. So basically, Abram means daddy, and Abraham means big daddy. <laughs> I, I heard that from a preacher one time. I was like, I'm going to steal that one. Funny. Okay, but and that's God's calling for Abraham was to be a father of many nations, and think about it, Abraham is a pretty amazing, famous dude. Like, two thirds of the world look to Abraham as their father in the faith—Jews, Muslims, and Christians. That's oh, that's a that's a lot of people. How many of you guys? You make it your goal? Hey, four thousand years from now, I want two thirds of the Earth's population. To look to me as their father in the faith—that's that's that's a pretty big goal, you know. Like you know, business courses and people teach you, hey, make B H A G—big, hairy, audacious goals. You guys ever hear about that? Anyways, whatever, right? Like, (laughs) make big goals for your life. Okay, it's a business term. Uh, Make big goals. Be ambitious. Right. Shoot for the stars. That's a pretty big goal right there. Nobody could do that apart from the hand of God. But God comes to Abraham and. He says, you know, leave your family, leave your country, leave everything you know about your life and go to the land that I will show you. You don't even know what it is and you're going to live in tents and, you know, you're going to face a lot of things. But I'm going to be with you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing to the entire earth, to the entire world, for every generation that's to come after you. That's a pretty big life. Most of us won't shoot that high. But that was God's call for Abraham, father of many nations. And so, uh, and he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. That was the way that God was going to do it. You're going to have a child, and then you're going to multiply. You're going to become a great nation. But here's the problem. Abraham is 75 years old when God first comes to him. And uh, it says Sarah, his wife, was barren, barrenness. She couldn't have a baby. And so, it's kind of like, uh, God, uh, just, just one problem. Uh, my wife is barren. I don't know how you're going to do this. And so, you know, in the years to come, you know, some, some some weird stuff happens in the Bible, too, if you read it, right? It's like, it's like Sarah, after, after 13 years, 12 or 13 years. No, is it 10 years? 10 years. I'm sorry. Okay, so after 10 years, Sarah's like... Oh man, I can't have a baby. I'm not, not, God's not doing anything. I'm tired of waiting. He promised us ten years ago. Here, take my maidservant, Hagar, and have a baby through her. So Abraham's like, "All right," you know, like, you know, he's like, he's like that husband who says, "Okay," you know, all right. And then he has a baby through Hagar, you know. And, and the the Bible's kind of like the way it tells the story. Abraham was kind of stupid to do that, but you know, sometimes husband makes stupid mistakes, and he did that. And then he had a child named Ishmael. And so Abraham thinks he's gonna become a great nation through Ishmael. But God's like, no. I will not fulfill my promise in your life through your scheme, human schemes, through the ways that you think make sense for you, the way that you can figure out how to do it and do it in your own strength. No, I will do it my way, in a way that only I can do it, and you will see that I am faithful to my promise even when it seems impossible. So he says, no, but through Sarah, you shall have a child. And we read it. What's Abraham's response? He, he said, it's kind of funny. It's like, Abraham fell on his face. It looks like he's going to worship. And then it says he laughed to himself. Like, you know, he's like, he's like laughing right, right in front of God. And he's like, is, is a son going to be born to a man 100 years old? And he says, come on. Ishmael, he's 13 years older. Just Ishmael, Lord. Ishmael, God. And then God's funny. He's like, oh, you laughed at what I told you. You're going to have a son? Guess what his name's going to be? Isaac, which means he laughs. He's a son of laughter. He goes, he comes back about, you know, a few months later. This time he comes to Abraham at his home. Sarah's listening at the tent. He's like, by this time next year, you shall have a son. Sarah laughs. What does she say? Chapter 18, verse 12. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Do you you hear the grief in in her voice? Think about it. She was barren all her life. In this culture, in this society... For a woman, having a family, having children meant everything. If you didn't have a child, you were an outcast. You were looked down upon. People mocked you because women found their worth in having a family, right? Having seed, having descendants, and then multiplying, having grandchildren. That was the way you found your worth. And, you know, in our modern culture, we laugh at that. Oh, why do you find your worth? Why do you find your identity in children? We kind of, you know, because we don't want to, you know, some cultures do that still today, but our, by and large, our culture today, we don't find our worth in having children, per se. And we, we, might, we might judge them, but actually, our culture is similar too. But we put our worth in other things: career, maybe. Oh, if I have a successful career, oh, if I accomplish a lot of things with my life. If I reach my goals that I've set, if I make money, and if I have success, and if I'm recognized and known for what I do, then my life will have meaning. Then my life will be worth something. It's not very different from Sarah. We're just looking to different things. That's what the Bible teaches that we're all looking to something to find our worth, to find our value, to find our identity. For Sarah, it's having a child. For you, it might be your career. It might be your looks. Oh, if I can turn heads while I walk down the street. If I can get guys to notice me, maybe. You know, it might be your looks. We talk about the body, wisdom with the body. It might be how much money you make. It might be your family. It might be having children. It could be a lot of different things. But we're all looking to something for the meaning of life, for our significance, for our worth. And Sarah, she's looking to children. And, you know, you can't blame her because she's just, she's just a product of her times, of her culture. That's what, that's what every woman was like back then. And so imagine all her friends around her are starting to have children. You know, and this, this always happens, right? Usually, like, in a group of friends, one girl starts getting married. Every other girl starts to feel the pressure. I mean, they all get married within like a two, three-year window. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just the way it works. One girl starts to have a baby. All the other girls start to feel pressure for that. You know, and think about it. Every All of her friends are having children. Everybody that she knows. Actually, she left her country and her kindred when she was about 65. But I'm sure even by that point, the Bible says she was barren. We're supposed to feel her pain. And at age 65, God comes to Abraham and he says, You shall have a child. You shall become a great nation. Sarah's probably like, "Oh man, thank you, God. You are so good. I've been suffering through years and years and decades, and finally, you're going to make us a great nation." Uh, One year later, uh, nothing happened. Uh, I checked. I checked the test. You know, it's still still negative. Right? Every month, uh, where's God? You know, what's he he doing? Like, another year later, oh, man, another false alarm. You know, just year after year, she was expecting God to do something. Nothing's happening. If God gave you a promise, and it didn't happen for a year, two years, would your faith still be like, Lord, I trust in you. Lord, you're good. You're faithful. Right? And you're going to do it in your way, in your wisdom. And your timing. Well, you know, she's, she's waiting. Ten years. I think that's, that's, her, that's the limit. That's the line. So she starts to try to figure out in her own strength, in her own way. And she gives Abraham her maidservant. But here's the thing that happens. We didn't read this. I think it's in chapter 16. After Sarah gives her maidservant, Hagar, to her husband, Abram, what happens? Conflict. Hagar bears a son. She starts looking down on Sarah. <laughs> you can't have a child? Yo, I got my baby boy right here, you know, Ishmael, right? It's like, yo, what's up? He's so cute, in here. And Sarah's like, man, put that boy, baby boy away from me. And then she got so mad at Abraham. It's like causing all this strife and tension in their marriage and in the whole family. And she's like, look what you did to me, Abraham. You know, she's all blaming him. And Abraham's like, yo, and Abraham's kind of like, you know, sometimes he's a little... I'm sorry, he's a little coward sometimes in front of his wife. Okay, first he's like, okay, I'll take Hagar, you know. And then next time he's like, all right, well, just do it, Hagar, what you want to do, you know. And then, so Sarah's like, all right, Hagar, get out of here. We'll kick you out. So she tossed her, she kicked her out. Okay. Abraham's a great man, but he had his flaws. Yeah, it's a lot of biblical characters. They have good, a lot of good things, a lot of bad things too. But, you know, it's the, it's the real story. And then, uh, yeah, so what happened was, yeah, Hagar gets kicked out. it causes, you know, she eventually comes back because God brings her back. But it's causing tension. That's what happens. You try to take matters into your own hands instead of trusting in the promises of God. That he will do it in his way, in his timing, in his wisdom. You take matters into your own hands. Things mess up. That's what happens. But praise be to God. He's a God of grace. He's patient. uh, Even when we make mistakes. And he says... you messed up before with Ishmael, but listen, my promise to you, my commitment to you has not changed. I'm still going to fulfill it through Sarah, not through the strength and power of man, but by the promise of God. And you see, Sarah was after I'm worn out, she's worn out by this time. It's been 24 years. She's been waiting. She sees Ishmael growing up, teenager, right before her eyes. She she doesn't believe it anymore. You know, my my destiny is to be barren my whole life. Never going to have a family. Never going to have children. I'm worn out. My husband's old. That's it. Do you know the only kind of laughter that she had in her life? It's a laughter of a little bit of bitterness, kind of worn out. God says, you shall have a son. <laughs> I'm going to have a son. Really? Now, after I'm old, after I'm worn out, you, you sense the kind of spirit in her laughter? See, that's what happens to us. We, we put our identity into something. We put our worth into something. And if it doesn't work out, if it doesn't fulfill us, if we're not able to achieve that or find our identity in that, then what happens is our laughter, we become bitter. We become worn out. And a lot of times, sometimes we even lose our faith in God. And our hearts get hard and cold towards God. Can you, can you identify with Sarah? Her, her grief, her bitterness, her pain? But here's here's the amazing, amazing thing. Is God is a God who breaks into our situations. He breaks into our lives. Even when we feel like my life has hit a dead end, even when we're Full of bitterness, even anger towards God, disappointment, shame. We're feeling left feeling broken and empty. God is still good. And he still breaks into our lives. Just like he broke into Sarah's life. You know, it's kind of funny. You see you, you read this passage. And Sarah's funny because God's like, why did, why did Sarah laugh? She's like, I didn't laugh. And God's like, uh, I'm, I'm God. I, I I see all things. I, I know everything. you did laugh. But it's kind of funny there too, right? But, you know, what does God say? He says, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? If you have the ESV Bible, it says, there's a little note there for the word hard, another translation for hard is, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? It, you know what happens is, when we have a dream for our lives, or uh, it's go a certain way, and sometimes we work hard at it, we're kind of looking for that, we think we're going to find our worth, our identity, our meaning, through that, we pursue it for years, and it comes up empty, what happens is, oftentimes we lose our wonder. Our wonder towards God. Our wonder towards life. We start to get jaded. Start to get bitter. You know, that wonder that you see in a child's eyes. Now, when I look at Esther, baby Esther, when I look at baby Zoe, right? Man, the wonder in a child's eyes. You know? But... You know, we live, we live in an age where it's kind of cool to be jaded and cynical sometimes. Is it cool? I don't know. At least some of my friends back in the States, right? Um, you know, oh, I can see through that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see right through that. Oh, like, oh, there's no wonder left anymore. You know, I just, they're all cynical and suspicious of everything. And I mean, you lost that wonder. You lost that joy. You lost that. What happened? That's what. That's what Sarah's like right now. She's lost her wonder. And that's when God comes into her life. And he says, Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? I am a God who brings wonder and grace back into your life. If you will look to me and trust in me, and in my promises, and in my faithfulness to you, restoration of wonder. You know, I had some friends in college, in uni, and, uh, you know, a couple of my friends, and, you know, when you're in uni, you're pretty young, you're like 19, 20, 21, and, you know, we were just, we just loved God, and we would talk about God, sometimes late into the night, we would encourage each other, sharpen each other, you know, help each other think about life from a godly perspective. We're all growing so much. That's what happens. That's why, you know, community is so important for your faith too, right? But we were growing a lot, and then we graduated. A lot of us remained in New York. New York City is so cool to be cynical. To be able to see through everything. And what I noticed was uh, all of my friends, not all of them, but a lot of them, they started to, Lose that wonder. The wonder about what life could be like. The wonder and the joy in life. And they were just going through their days, passing their weeks and their months, and then it became years. You know, I'd be like praying for them time to time, and I'm just like, dude, I don't even recognize you. And they think, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm 26 now. I understand what the world is like. You know, I was 21 back then. You know what I mean? Like, and all that. I remember even my friend wrote uh, a blog post. You guys remember Zenga? Were you guys alive when Zenga was around, right? Yeah, he used to write like these deep Zenga entries. <laughs> he was one of those. Yeah, there's like all different kinds of bloggers. He was like the deep dude. You know, like everything he wrote was like, you have to think about it and read it three times or something. But anyway, so he wrote this blog post about wonder. Be Like I used to have this wonder, but yeah, I just lost the wonder. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's a good way to put it. He's lost the wonder of life. And uh, I remember that he shared the C.S. Lewis quote about wonder. If I, if I had prepared his message, I would share that quote with you, and you guys would be like, oh, snap, it's good. But I don't, I don't remember the quote. But um, anyway, I just remember the post, and I was like, man, you know what? That's, that's the problem. He's lost the wonder. He's lost that faith in God that a God who can do wonderful things, that nothing is too wonderful for the Lord. Nothing is too wonderful that God can't do it. Even to have a 90-year-old woman... Who thought her life was over and meaningless. And she had lost everything. And God says, nothing is too wonderful for the Lord. Let me ask you. Is there anything in your life where you feel like there's nothing that could change here? Nothing is just the way it is. I've lost hope. You know, my wonders turned into... Jadedness and, and cynicism and bitterness and it's just the laughter of <sighs> you lost that laughter of wonder. How many of you guys ever felt like that? How many of you guys feeling that today? In one area of life or another. Let me tell you, you need to remember who God is. What God is like. That nothing is too wonderful for Him. That He's a God, even when we've lost all the laughter in our life, He wants to restore that laughter. You know, before I became a Christian, before I met the Lord in college, I was so bitter. I was so angry. Things that were going on in my life, things that were going on in my family, things like, I felt like, Nothing can change here. It's just the way it is, and it's not fair, and I hate it. And, you know, I was just so bitter. I was so upset. I never smiled. I remember, like, just being in uni and just hanging out with people. And people would be, like, making jokes. And, like, if, if someone would laugh for something stupid, I'd just be like, man, they don't, they don't know life. No, seriously. I I thought I was, like, harder than, like, you know, like, oh, and I, I remember people would make comments like, yeah, tough life, huh? <laughs> never, never smile? Never laugh? No? I'd just be like, what You know about me? But, yeah, that's what I was like. Um, and then I had a shaved tattoo, so people thought I was intimidating. You know what I mean? But, but um, man, when I, when I met the Lord, it's just it's just amazing. The, the transformation that I encountered the love and the power of God. God broke into my life. And all of a sudden, the, just the way I saw the world was different. I saw it a certain way. It was like, you know, this is cliche. Black and white turned into color. But everything was different. The situations, some of them were the same. But now I saw it with the eyes of faith. And I saw that. No matter how hard this is, no matter how hopeless this looks like, I believe in God. Is anything too wonderful for God? And I had this new hope and this new faith, and I began to smile for the first time in 21 years. Because I met the Lord. He's a God who restores our laughter restores our wonder, restores our smiles. You see, later on in the story, chapter 21, it says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. God was faithful to her. She has a new son. She calls him Isaac. He laughs. Child of laughter. God has restored laughter. God has restored wonder. God has restored joy back into my life. Verse 6. God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Do you, do you hear the change of laughter from before and after? That, that rhymes, but uh, you, you, right? before it was a laughter of cynicism. I'm sorry. I <laughs> was corny, right? <laughs> but before, the laughter was so cynical, so bitter. You guys, many of you have experienced that before. That's what happens in life, especially if you don't know God. Only thing you're able to see is the natural circumstances and what you're going through. But man, look at that change of laughter. God has made laughter over me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. I'm 90 years old. And I'm, you know, breastfeeding this little baby. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the image, but that's just funny. That's that's funny. That's ridiculous. Right? She's like, everyone is going to laugh. Look at me. Look at me. She's, do you hear the wonder, the astonishment? Do you hear her joy that's restored back to her life? Because God has restored her, brought laughter into her life. Where in the hands, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of man, nothing could change. Nothing could happen. With the Lord, nothing was too hard for him. Nothing was too wonderful. He is able to restore that joy no matter what your situation is like, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hopeless you think your life has become. God's word to you is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too wonderful for me that I can turn this 90-year-old barren woman and bear a child through her? And through that child, many nations. Verse 7 She said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Do you you hear the kind of laughter that she's laughing? She's she's laughing at herself. Look, look at me. This, This is ridiculous, but I have a child. And this is funny. And everyone's going to laugh and I'm going to laugh at myself. Who would have said to Abraham that, Hi, ah, Sarah! It's going to bear him a child. Who would have thought this is... She's able to laugh at herself. You see, it's the, the laughter of grace, the Christians laugh when God breaks into your life. It's not a mocking laughter. Mocking laughter is you put other people down, you laugh at their expense. But the laughter when you've encountered God's grace, is I laugh at myself. Because, you know what? Apart from God's grace, I'm a joke. No, seriously. If you don't know God's grace, chances are you might take yourself a little bit too seriously. Especially if you're a Christian, but you don't really know grace, you might take yourself a little bit too seriously. But if you know grace, it's like, who would have said that Paul would be a pastor. Are, are, you, are you kidding me? A couple of years ago, I saw some old friends from high school at a wedding. First time my wife met some of my high school friends. And they're like, yo, 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 Paul, Paul, yo. let's get a shot, right? Yo, let's get crowed. You know, right? All this stuff. And I was like, I'm good, I'm good, man. You know, like, I'll have a beer, but I ain't going to take you know, 15 shots with you guys. They're like, yo, d- why not, man? What's, yo, what's going on? You, this, this is you, you Paul, right? Uh, I was like, yo, actually, uh, I, I gotta preach tomorrow. I'm a pastor, right? <laughs> and then the, some of them would just be like, what? You're a pastor? You were just so shocked. You're a pastor? I was, and then I was like, oh, snap, oh, put my drink away. You know, oh, pastor, okay, all right, we're just going to go. You know, they were, they were making fun about it. But it's funny. God does funny things. God, God's grace is funny. And it helps you laugh at yourself. I was messed up, man. You know, I don't, I'm not, I don't always like talking about myself up here. But, you know, I, dude, like the last person that, you know, I was so messed up. And, you know, people who are closer to you know you better. All my relatives... They thought I was like that, that child, that nephew. You know, I was like I was like that one son. You know, my sister's son, my brother's son. I was that poisonous, you know, guy who's lost and you know doesn't know what he's doing with this life and kind of like, you know, I was that dude. And I remember, you know, my cousins, yeah, man, they, they you know, a lot of them didn't like me. And um, I remember, like, after I became a Christian. Some of them would say, wow, there must be a God. <laughs> who are you, Paul? It's, it's funny. It was just so funny. Like, who would have said that Paul would become a Christian? That Paul would receive the grace of God? That I was like the least likely person they knew. And yet, that's the funny thing about God's grace. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how righteous you are or how moral you've been. It doesn't matter how many times you messed up, how much of a failure you feel like, how many mistakes you've made in your life. God's grace breaks in to us when we don't deserve it. And it's funny. And because I've experienced God's grace over the years, I've learned more and more to laugh at myself. If you haven't learned to laugh at yourself and be free about that, take yourself a little too, you know, might I submit, you need to experience a little more grace. Because, you know, I used to like, you know, even after I met the Lord, I was still like sensitive about things. You know, people would criticize me, make fun of me about like some, some mannerism or some, you know, thing that I do. And I'll, I'll be like, I'll be like, Like, I'll be, I'll be all sensitive. Like, you know, be all offended. I couldn't laugh at myself, right? And then, you know, I get all defensive sometimes, like, try to make a comment back, be thinking about that, playing that recording tape in my head, like, for another couple days sometimes, you know, just just like, what is wrong with me? I can't laugh at myself. I took myself so seriously. I mean? And as I started to realize, hey, God's grace, there's nothing good about me. Everything about me is, there's so much stuff that's messed up, so much stuff that's wrong, but by God's grace, I am what I am. It's not anything I've done. No pride. Just grace. And it started to free me as I grew in my understanding. And then people would keep making fun of me, and. you know, I just be like huh. uh, you know, I start to laugh with them. Sometimes it'll hurt, right? But over, over the years, as you mature as a Christian, you become less offended because you take yourself a little bit less seriously. I'm not saying you're you're flippant and everything's a joke. No, that's not what I mean. Right? But you're not so religious, you know? Because man, God brought laughter into your life. That's why you know some some of our leaders they make fun of me. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, I see you laughing because every time you see me, you make hey it's all good because you know I I know God's grace. Right? It's all good, it's all good. Y'all can make fun of me, right? But you know that's 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 the kind of laughter it is. It's 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 very humble. It's very gracious. Very just like man. God's grace broke into my life. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? Look Look at the things God does. Sarah went from laughter of bitterness to laughter of grace, laughter of joy, because God sent a child of laughter into her life. But, you know, there was, there's another child of laughter in the Bible. There was another situation where the power of man couldn't do anything to change it. Actually, this was the worst situation of all. Even harder than a 90-year-old woman having a child, the problem of sin and death. That we are sinners, that we have rebelled against God Most High, and each of us, we deserve eternal, conscious torment before God because we have rebelled against Him. That's a problem. But this time, God sent another child. This child to be born, he was a child who would bring laughter not just to one family, but to the whole world. Because this child did what no man could do. When Jesus came into the world, he did what no man could do, is that he died on a brutal, cross, bloodied, mangled mess. And because he died, anyone who believes in him can be forgiven by God of all our sins, of all our transgressions, and our separation from God and the hopelessness and the torment that that would bring that instead of that god can bring rejoicing it's through the child of laughter his name's jesus you see all our lives apart from jesus apart from jesus breaking into our lives by his grace our lives are a mess we're broken, full of grief, full of shame, all so much just all around in our lives. And the biggest thing, looming over us, you know, the Bible says one day it is appointed for all men to die once, then comes a judgment for our sins, and yet God has broken in. No matter how hard we tried, we couldn't make it right. No matter how much we go to church no matter how many good deeds we do, no matter how many prayers we say, we can't make ourselves right with God. Only way that can happen is through Jesus. Because Jesus made the way. Jesus died on a cross. And it's through His death. He took the death that we deserved, So that anyone who looks on Him and believes in Him shall have eternal life and be reconciled to God. God says, I have brought this child of laughter. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sin and death. Is that too hard for me to overcome? It's through Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Have you encountered this child of laughter? Just ask so many people even here in this church how broken our lives were you know in some ways still broken, and yet the grace of God just, just breaks in. Man, God doesn't choose us because anything special that he sees in us, because we're better than the person over there or over there. No, God breaks into our lives merely by his grace. And when you when you realize you know, even for Christians, sometimes we hear the gospel, oh, Jesus died from his sins. You know, even sometimes we feel like, oh, I know that. You, have you lost the wonder of the gospel? Do you understand? Realize the wonder of this story, that God himself would send his son to die for wicked, rebellious sinners like you and me. Why would God do that? When you realize that afresh, that's like the gospel's gospel's wonderful. There's no other news like the gospel. There's no story like the gospel. It's amazing. And when you recover that, man, you can you can laugh. Things go wrong. Things go wrong in your life. Maybe you not you don't you don't get that job you've been waiting for. I've been praying, you still don't get it? You know that you know this relationship doesn't work out, you're heartbroken, you feel like your life's a mess? You know all these things going wrong in your life? No matter what happens, if you know the grace of God, you won't grow overly jaded, overly cynical because you remember man, the wonder of God in the gospel. It's amazing. Don't you want to know this guy? Don't you want to know this Jesus? Man, apart from Jesus, I I still be a mess. I, I'm 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 still a mess in in some ways. But man, get to know get to know Jesus. Re- restore your wonder. All right, let's pray.